invite you to take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 5. We're going to be in Matthew 5 through 7 for a while. So the plan is to go through the Sermon on the Mount up until the Sunday before Memorial Day. I feel like that was a strategic choice to end before the Sunday before Memorial Day, assuming that a few of us might be out of town and doing other things. And so we're just going to work our way straight through the Sermon on the Mount. And it sometimes Jesus takes us into what might initially be uncomfortable conversations that we have. But I've been reminded as we work through God's Word that, that it's so intensely practical. You know, sometimes as a pastor I hear, you know, I just wish the Word was more practical, more relevant to my life. Well, read the Sermon on the Mount. <laughs> and Jesus just tackles all of these issues that are so pertinent to us. And I think points us toward the, the deeper heart issues involved. And so with that in mind, I invite you to listen. I'm going to read Matthew 5, 27 through 37. And I'll focus the sermon um, really on 27 through 30. So I invite you to listen. This is Jesus speaking. He says, You have heard that it was said, do not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to, be, to go into hell. It has been said, anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. But I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife, except for marital unfaithfulness, causes her to become an adulteress. And anyone who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Again, you have heard that it was said to people long ago, do not break your oath, but keep the oaths that you have made to the Lord. But I tell you, do not swear at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair white or black. Simply let your yes be yes and your no, no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Um, I've mentioned this to you all before, but growing up in South Carolina, one of the things that was true of my childhood is that I grew up in a world that I very much knew about the existence of NASCAR and stock car racing. And I grew up watching it back in the day when people were like Daryl Waltrip, uh, Bobby Labonte, um, Bill Elliott, also known as Awesome Bill from Dawsonville. If you know, you know, you know if you're my age. Um, Bobby Allison from Alabama, from the great state of Alabama, stock car racer. But I, I grew up watching it, and it was, it was pretty fascinating to watch stock car racing because they intentionally make them all about the same speed. It's kind of the goal. The point is for them to be as close as they can, racing as fast as they can, because we're all really watching for the what? The wreck. Yeah, like nobody's really watching just to see who finishes first. We're all watching for the wreck. And so as you're, you're watching that, it, it's so interesting. And I grew up in a world where everybody kind of watched it. To give you a perspective for this, and this is not representative of everybody that I knew growing up, okay? I'm just giving you kind of an extreme example. But Outside my house, if you walked out, you could look across the crossroad there, and there was a mobile home park, trailer park. 
And one year, this guy, who I have so much respect for, in his case of beer, got a poster that had the race schedule. So what did he do? He took it outside and he attached it to the outside of his mobile home. So if I was ever curious as to where we were racing that Sunday, all I had to do was just drive by his house and like there it was. Or like down the road not far, I'm somewhat ashamed to admit that I did not go to Harris Speedway. Never came home covered with like a little thin um, layer of red dirt from the racetrack. But it's just right there. And, and I grew up in a world where that was kind of something that we did. Ed, am I in a bad spot? I hear something. Does anybody else hear that? Is that better? I'm trying. So, and, and I kind of fell away from racing for a while, but all of us are somewhat captivated by racing. Even last night, I was coming back from Columbia, South Carolina, snuck over there for opening day for the Gamecocks for baseball. And I was driving back, and on Interstate 20, when you get close to Atlanta, you feel like you've taken a wrong exit and got on Atlanta Motor Speedway. And, like, people are driving in what I think are not stock cars. I think they are, and I'm just kind of hanging on in my family mobile, the Suburban, like, Lord, get me through Atlanta. And so we made it back. But there was a story that happened last year that kind of got racing on everybody's uh, mindset those of us who pay attention to, like, social media and things. The guy's name was Ross Chastain. Still is that. And he was outside, like, the playoffs. Okay? Just think of yourself as playoffs. He was outside the playoffs, and he was coming down to the last lap, and he needed, like, a top-five finish. Okay? And so he's coming around at the end. It's Martinsville. It's a smaller track. And he has this idea that most people have only done in video games. He's like, I've done this in NASCAR 2005. Maybe I can do it out here. He just ran his car in the wall and just held down the gas. He rode the wall around, and it makes this, like, slingshot effect. And he's just, like, ran by everybody on the wall. And sure enough, he finished in the top five. He made it into the playoffs. And there was all this debate in the days following the race of, like, is that a good thing? Like, would it be safe and healthy for everybody when they got to the end of the race on a particular track to just run it into the wall and just slam on the, on the gas and hope that they made it to the front? But he didn't really think about it in those terms, did he? Desperate times call for what? Desperate measures. And so he thought, why not sacrifice the side of a really expensive race car if it means that we make it to the front? And I think that, that that imagery of drastic measures, of doing desperate things, um, is, should be in our minds as we look at this passage from the Sermon on the Mount today. Jesus says, you've heard that it was said you shall not commit adultery. Now, just recently, we did a sermon series on the Ten Commandments. Because somebody up here was like, didn't we just talk about this? uncomfortable topic as a church? Yes, we did. In the Ten Commandments series, but as we're making our way through the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus brings it up again. And he said, you've heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you what? That anyone who looks at a woman, and I think we can fill in the blank here, man or woman, with lustful desires in their heart, has already committed adultery in their heart. 
Now, here's the thing about the passage that a few things that we need to acknowledge, that actually committing adultery is worse than thinking about it, just like actually murdering someone is worse, okay? You murder someone, way greater consequences for you doing that. In a similar way, adultery, actually engaging in that act is worse than thinking about it. But Jesus is trying to help us see that so often our thought life and the patterns that we engage or embrace in that area of our lives can lead to things that you and I think we would never do. Much like people on Interstate 20, you know, like it's, it's rare, it's extreme, but sometimes people have gotten so mad as they're making their way through the traffic that they've actually taken someone's life. And so thought life oftentimes shapes our heart and sometimes shapes our actions. And so Jesus is saying in a similar way that what we think about and what we allow our hearts to get engaged and involved in, we need to be so careful about it because oftentimes that leads to action, even to things that we think we would never do. And so Jesus says, even thinking about this, even let yourself go down that road in your mind is so dangerous for followers of the Lord. Now, how do we get here? Well, in Genesis chapter 1 and 2, what do we read about? Creation. And one of the things that was unique about Adam and Eve is that they were naked and what? You remember the second word? Unashamed. They were naked and unashamed. But once sin entered the world, what is their first like thought to do? They do what? Hide and cover themselves up. And so now in their nakedness, they're ashamed. They start trying to cover it up. And it kind of becomes this really sad story from there on out of how men and women engage with each other in that relationship. Maybe you're listening to this story, this teaching from the Sermon on the Mount, and one of the things I think about is David. As David's up on the roof of his house. Do you remember this story? Very uncomfortable in children's church. He makes his way out. He sees this lady. He's attracted to her. Goes there in his mind, and what does he do? He acts on it. And we could talk about it over and over again of these stories with this part of who we are as humans. It causes so much heartache causes so much destruction in its, in its path. And so Jesus says, to even think about this is a dangerous thing for followers of the Lord. The Bible talks about this so much, you all. I've been reading the book of Proverbs a lot recently. Today I read Proverbs 19, so I shared a verse with you from Proverbs 19. This morning early I read that. But Proverbs 5, 6, and 7, for three chapters... It talks about this issue and that the life of wisdom is one that takes seriously this temptation and takes steps and puts in measures to keep that out of our lives. And a couple of things that, that you read in 5 through 7. One is just a reminder of how dangerous this is. It says, if a man walks with hot coals near his chest, what's likely to happen to him? Yeah, not a trick question. <laughs> you walk around with something hot close to your chest, chances are eventually you're going to get burned. And so the message there in the, proverb, in the wisdom literature is don't even, 
don't even get in the vicinity or the neighborhood of this. And then the other thing that you see in Proverbs often is this emphasis on delighting in the spouse that God's provided for you. I do premarital counseling a good bit. And one of the parts of the book that we go through is I work with these children who are getting married. They get younger every year. And one of the things that we work through is this truth that that your spouse is God's provision for you. Your spouse is God's provision for you. And I tell them, hey, here's the thing. The person that you're marrying today is not the person you're going to be married to for the rest of your life. Amen? The person's going to change. And the person, I say, hey, when you were 16, you're different now than when you were 16, right? And they're all like, sure. Um, and so the person that you're going to be when you're 44, when you got married at 30 or 25, you're going to be a different person. And so what you're committing to in these covenant vows that you're making is to be dedicated and true to this person until what happens? Till you what? Till you expire. Yeah, something about that commercial. Yes, until you die, right? You're committed to this person. And I stand right here so often letting people exchange their wedding vows And some of the things that we say, I just want to like stop them and be like, are you sure? Right? Um, I vow to be with you for richer, for poorer. Like, that could happen. You could buy the Bitcoin. I don't know. It could happen. You could all go down. Right? Um, In sickness and in health. That's real, isn't it? But as they stand there that day, they have no idea. And in a congregation like ours, a people of all ages, we know that in a moment's notice, things could change in your life. They could totally alter who you are as a person moving forward. Sickness and in health. Um, and we, we go through all those things, and there's part of me I just want to be like, are you sure? <laughs> you really want to sign up for this? Until the day we are parted by death. And so they stand there and make these covenant promises before everybody that they're going to remain married to that person until death comes and remain faithful to that person alone. So Jesus picks up on this teaching that you and I are so familiar with. And he says that, that he is calling his people to be faithful to their spouse until they're parted by death and to remain and give themselves only unto that person. And we acknowledge that, that it's not always going to be easy. Correct? My father-in-law tells me that when he gets to heaven, he's going to ask the Lord why he has, he has to get uglier with every year he gets older. But it's just going to happen. Like We're going to change and be different people. And there is this idea in our minds sometimes, and it's really... It's a failure or a fault in the human operating system that we think that there's something better that we don't have that will satisfy the desires of our hearts. That if we just had that thing or that person, then our hearts would be satisfied. Um, I currently have an iPhone, I think it's a 13. 
Just think in your mind, what kind of iPhone do you have? I'm sorry if you're a green bubble person. No judgment here. But whatever phone that you have, guess what's going to happen next year? New phone. And then what's going to happen next year? New phone. And then next year, new phone. Until we get to like 25 and it's like a medical procedure, you know, like implant it into your brain. But there's this part of us where we think, if I just had that thing, then I would be satisfied. And usually, usually we get that thing, and it's kind of like what? Eh. Same me, same life. I just have a fancier phone until next year. Um, I see it sometimes in people's church engagement. You know, like, I'll be a part of this church, but after a while, the preaching kind of gets boring and stale or, I don't like this or I don't like that. Like there's another better church out there and you go look for it and maybe for a while it's all that. And, but and usually it's kind of like, oh, it's preaching, it's the word, it's worship, and it's a bunch of sinful people getting together trying to be more like Jesus. And if you kind of get on that hamster wheel of always looking for that thing that's going to satisfy the desires of your heart, you're always kind of caught up in that loop. The same thing is true in, in marriage. That I think most people make unfortunate, disastrous decisions in that part of their life because they somewhere believe this lie that there's somebody or something out there that will satisfy them more than the person that God's provided for them. Just like church, it's harder and better to stay committed and with it and involved to the end. Same is true in your marriages. And so I'm just praying that God would help each of us and prayed for the marriages in Mount Brook Baptist Church this morning before I came to church, just that God would protect us from believing those things and help us to lean into the gift that God's given us for those of us who are married and the spouses that we already have and give us that joy and that, that realization that this is God's provision for me until I die. And then for those of you who aren't married yet, especially those of you who are young, like real young, like, I don't know, teenagers, is to implore with you that God's plan for you in that part of your life is better. That God's plan for you in that part of your life is so much better than anything the world has to offer you. And so as you're navigating the difficult terrain of life moving forward, just trust in that in God's time, that part of who you are within the context of your marriage, that's what God intends for you. And not before that or not outside of that. So just encourage you to trust the Lord with your life. Walk in the ways of obedience and faithfulness and trust that he's going to provide for you um, in that part of who you are. Um, I'm grateful that God speaks to us in his word about these hard things because it's such a part of who we are in our experience in life and for God to come in and say, here's my plan, here's the pattern for you, walk in this way. Last thing I'll say before I close in prayer is that anytime you're dealing with a topic like this, with a mixed audience and so many different people and stories and backgrounds and issues, it's impossible to cover all of those things. Um, but I want to make sure that you hear the gospel of Jesus Christ in your life, that 
But at every point along the way, wherever we fall short, if we repent and we confess those things, God is just and faithful to forgive us in those areas. And if you just need somebody at all to help or to walk with you or to talk about these things, know that, that your church staff is here and wants to do that for you. Um, I used to tell the uh, students when I worked with them back in the dark ages, before I had a smartphone, um, you can come and tell me anything and I'm not going to do this. You did what? Because I think the enemy would have us be isolated and all to ourselves, walking in shame and guilt in different areas of our life, rather than walking in fellowship and prayer and encouragement with others. So hear that this morning. Um, also hear that it might look drastic for you to be faithful in this area. Might look drastic. You might get a, guess what, flip phone. Hey, you can still call. You can text. takes you forever, but you can do it. You might not allow devices in certain places to be in your house. You might cut off certain things. You might just be totally out of the loop on certain television shows, concepts, things that you hear other people because you are radically putting that part of the world outside of your life because you know it's terrible for you. So be willing to uh, ram your car into the wall and slam on the gas, so to speak, if that's what God's calling you to do to pursue faithfulness and wholeness in this area of your life. But if you would, to pray with me. God, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for your grace and your mercy to us. We thank you that you are so kind um, to help us to see what your plan and your pattern is for our lives, and we pray that you would help us to trust you and to walk in faithfulness to you. Lord, um, we know and we confess that the blood of Christ cleanses us from all sins in these areas, and Lord, so we, we claim that and we believe that, and Lord, we pray that you would just help us to believe that your path and your plan for us is better. We offer this prayer in Christ's name. Amen.